Howdy. It's been about a year in the making, but I'm finally getting to the end of my 2021 Europe trip here with Logan Denning, and all just in time for my next trip this summer. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. So when we had the thought to break up my trip to Europe into multiple episodes, I still think that was a smart move, obviously, because they, they take so long. But it didn't occur to me that like it would now be May, middle of May here as we're recording part four. And now we're getting to where like by the time this comes out, it's going to be almost a year oh, right. since the trip. So regardless, I'm going to say we just need to call it. This is, this is the final Europe episode <laughs> as far as recapping, <laughs> recapping my trip. Now, and we don't have necessarily too much more to discuss, but we'll just kind of get through what we can, see where the conversation goes, and this is going to be all she wrote, because it seems like it's not a recap of something I just did as, as much as it is uh, reminiscing on a past trip that was now almost, what, 10, 10 months ago. So, yes, uh, last time we talked about my time in France, Normandy, Paris, all that, and I did go from... Paris to Copenhagen and that came with a overnight layover in Poland and Warsaw that oh that's one I always think too I don't think that counts as having been to Poland but yes my body was at the, at the Warsaw airport but to me it just does, it doesn't seem like you actually count that as visiting a country did you go through uh customs or like passport control um I guess kind of like I didn't leave the airport and like if oh. any, like they were almost trying to like direct like when I landed and they were almost trying to like direct me like okay bye leave the airport now and I'm like um I have a flight in the morning like I am not this is not my destination they're like oh okay yeah go ahead and then I just basically hung out in the airport all night oh okay if you leave the airport, I think that that's, that counts. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Even if I went to a hotel overnight in Warsaw. But no, I stayed in the airport and never left. And of course, and that kind of sucks. You know, like the whole I can't sleep in a plane. Well, I also can't just like sleep on the air ground in the airport, even though I tried. So this kind of became another all-nighter. That must be a rough existence for you with all this <laughs> traveling then. Because that's like, that's like the prime time to sleep when you're traveling is when you're you know if you are in the airport or on a plane when you're not doing anything else oh yeah yeah that'd be nice <laughs> yeah that is not a skill i possess that sounds really inconvenient for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it is um the one thing and you see that picture right so there's a picture of a shower like that's that you can see me in the mirror taking a picture of a standalone shower and so that was kind of oh, like yeah i don't know that was like one of the highlights of the trip just as far as the state you're in versus the pleasant surprise so here i am overnight in warsaw you just always feel the gross at the end of a day of traveling and you're just kind of miserable and i'm like you know anyway it's just gonna be a sucky existence spending the night in the in the warsaw airport and then i stumbled across this shower for free and like just it was like a room by itself and there's there's not many people in the same boat as me you know it's just kind of a you know probably a dozen a couple right. dozen people kind of milling about the whole airport at this time I've never been so excited to take a shower in my life as when I thought I wasn't going to be able to shower. And then here's one ruined myself, free shower. I, I don't know. It just, it was awesome. <laughs> so I have seen those before in airports. I think the last time that I saw like a public shower room like that was in Dubai. And uh, I will say by the looks of that picture there, uh, that one's a lot cleaner than the one that oh. I saw. <laughs> I did not use it. Okay. Uh, but I, you know, I, I saw one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've showered in airports before, but it's always been in like 
like a lounge or something, like somewhere where you had to pay to exactly, you know, yeah, you had yeah, to have yeah. special access. Yeah. So it's nice that at the Warsaw Airport there, they have actually not only do they have them, but they're actually clean and it looks like pretty well maintained. Right. I was certain that I mean, I saw the door and I was certain that the door was going to be locked. And I tried it, and I'm like, uh, it is open, and there's no one around. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I mean, obviously I didn't ask, but there also was no reason. I, I had no reason to think it wasn't allowed. Yeah, so. Right. Anyway, that was that was nice. So anyway, so yeah, so then I went to Copenhagen. And Copenhagen started off as a city where I was kind of like, oh, well, there's not really, it doesn't have anything iconic. And that's what it does with the, kind of the painted row of, of the buildings there, kind of like the, the main uh, wharf dock area thing. Like there's no Eiffel Tower Coliseum type things in Copenhagen that it's kind of like known for internationally. And so at first right. I was just like, oh man, I have like, because I had like three, four days or th- I think it was just four nights booked in Copenhagen. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to very quickly run out of stuff to do. Like, oh, maybe I, maybe I overthought it. And it's also a really expensive city. But I think more than any other city on the trip, it stood out as the more I was there, the more I was like, oh, this actually just feels like home. Like, it was a really, really oh, nice really? city. And just the vibe was okay. like, oh, okay, this may not be necessarily a huge tourist destination. Although, I mean, I loved it there. It was more like, oh, I want to move here <laughs> kind of city that I didn't really get the the vibe with and maybe some other places. I guess, uh, you know, Colin and Normandy was kind of like that. But just a really, really nice city. Bicycles are insane. And actually, I, I had noticed it myself. But then just like last week on Reddit, I saw someone post a rush hour picture from Copenhagen. and there's the bicycle lane has way more is like just packed full of bicycles of commuters and it's like one of the most bicycle friendly cities in the world and just kind of huh. I don't know just just a nice city and what you know wasn't too hot and, and and just and then Denmark in general has great public transportation even though I was there during you know the height of covid and stuff and there was all the, the masking and those kinds of things but just it's a super intuitive and easy to run uh, subway system both within Denmark and then the, sorry within Copenhagen and then the train system within Denmark and now everything's just super accessible it's just just a really really nice city and i don't necessarily even have maybe a lot of specifics beyond that i mean just just you know the um, oh, I did end up doing a, a tour. So again, so I don't know how much I've talked about it on here, but I am wanting to write a book uh, centered on a uh, historical queen of Denmark and, and Copenhagen is kind of central to some of those things there. So um, I did have a meeting with a historian sc- scheduled and that that went very well. I talked to her for about an hour. And then I also went on a tour that I just kind of stumbled upon online like, oh, hey, you know, walking history tour and ended up being just me and the tour guide so it was a paid tour or whatever but it was just me and this historian walking around copenhagen for like an hour giving getting a private tour just because no one else signed up for it that was kind of neat just you know kind of being on a street and he could basically say like okay so until the 1600s this street would have been way narrower and all this you know so we got like the canals here yes that water's natural but the canal naturally is you know four times that wide but we just kind of gained the you add land to kind of build it up mm. and get more. And it was just it was just interesting, and you know how the street names have a historical source, and all that stuff was just was just really neat. And the museum there was even having a special on Vikings at this time, was tied into some of the other things we've talked about on history and film. The public squares were just just really really nice. So Copenhagen is one where I highly recommend it. But it also, you look at the pictures, you're like, oh yeah, it's just a city. What is this? Uh... 
you have photos here, multiple photos of this. It looks kind of like a garden courtyard area with a statue in the middle of somebody on a horse. Yes. And you're like pointing at the person on the horse. Who, who, who is oh, that? Oh, yes. Um, well, so I've done a lot of research on Denmark, but a lot of my research is, you know, 1400 and before. Okay. And so a lot of, they, they have a rich history of their, their monarchy. Their monarchy does still exist to this day. And uh-huh. so, I mean, I couldn't tell you. That's just, that's just some, oh, okay. some king. If anything, the, the reason I'm kind of pointing to it, I was, I sent that, that picture in particular, I sent to, there's actually a, another Cheney grad uh, who married a guy from Copenhagen. And so I was kind of sending her that picture to let her know I had made it to Copenhagen. They were actually over in the States for their own, for their wedding. I actually missed their wedding because I was in Copenhagen where he's from while they were getting married in Wichita. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, the history is still interesting after the period I'm researching, but I just don't know as much about the history there. Uh, the one thing that's cool, and I think I'm, I feel like I mentioned it before, but maybe not on here. And also just kind of a small world thing. I started posting it on Facebook that I was in Copenhagen and Cheney had actually had a foreign exchange student from Copenhagen who basically had to like her time at Cheney was like shortened by the pandemic. So like, you know, she was here for the 2019, 2020 school year, but then come March when everything gets shut down, she just went home uh-huh. and she actually had started going out for track. Uh, but we've got like two weeks in the season before everything got shut down. So I never really got much of a chance to work work with her. But then like the, her host family saw that I was in Copenhagen and like tags her on Facebook. And she's like, wait, what? And then so like her parents were super excited that, oh, my gosh, like some person from like your coach from the random small town in the United States that you're from is in town. Like have him come over for dinner. That's awesome. So that was actually one of the, the you know, neatest experiences too was, I mean, not just getting to, you know, have dinner with, with a family and get to know some people, but also like specifically they were tickled to death that, you know, hey, their daughter was, you know, experiencing culture and life in the United States in the city. And here's a person from, I mean, I'm sure they've encountered plenty of Americans, but, you know, here's one from that town. And they just, it was just neat to kind of eat at their place and just see, see life in there. Cause they're kind of in the suburbs of Copenhagen and just hanging out there with a Danish family and talking about the differences between the United States and, and Denmark. And just, you know, it was just kind of, kind of a, almost like a Q and a back and forth, but also just talking about normal life stuff. So yeah, and I'm really, really bad about that. I tend to travel and not focus on meeting people. Uh-huh. Just because I'm such an I'm such an introvert and just and, and, and scheduling those things I, I don't even know how to do all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But when it when, but when it's thrust upon me like that, I definitely do embrace it and always enjoy it after the fact. It's more just I never seek it out. I guess ahead of time. Yeah. So kind of just a real fortunate happenstance there. And it's it's cool that you got to see like you know because a lot of the time when you travel you see like touristy areas or or places that are you know, of some like historical significance, but like rarely do you get the chance to just go see what like a normal suburban family life is like right. in wherever you're at. Right. And it's interesting too, because like you even tie that into, it was kind of cool talking and just seeing that kind of is you know, with the whole thing in Scandinavia, just what they're proud about. You know, if you start talking about, you know, from Game of Thrones, Nikolai Coster Waldo or... Uh, Mads Mikkelsen is, you know, mm-hmm. like the Danish actor. Like, well, they're really proud of that because, like, we're used to like we don't necessarily have a lot of feel like a lot of ownership about a Tom Cruise. Like, wait, well, yeah, there's a million stars from the United States, but like, right when the Danish actors like pop, you know, and then they're, they're kind of proud of that. And also the big one too is, and we'll get into when I get to Stockholm here too. It's like Sweden and Denmark are like Ireland and the UK. They kind of are rivals, and and, and oh again, really? Well, like I mean, like friend, friendly rivals now, but yeah. 
Right. But like hundreds of years ago, didn't they have it was like there was like a war between those two countries like every couple of years for like hundreds of years? Pretty much. And yeah, <laughs> so and yeah, and Denmark was kind of always more the dominant one and Sweden was kind of more the put upon one, I guess you could argue historically. So there's there's a little bit of a, a rivalry there where you could again, again, it's not exactly they didn't necessarily control it to the extent that say like Great Britain controlled Ireland, but you could definitely make right. a approximation for Denmark being uh, the UK and Sweden being Ireland as far as that rivalry goes. And so, yeah, when you get, it's easy for us to say, oh, Scandinavia, Scandinavia, Scandinavia. And we just kind of paint it all with the same brush. But it's like, when you're there, they are distinct. <laughs> Do not just be like, oh, it's all the same. <laughs> like, oh, right. Uh, yeah. Right, right. There are a lot of similarities between like, Sweden, Norway, you know, Finland, Denmark, Iceland, but they are, yeah, they are all also distinct cultures. Like they're not, right. it's not uh, all uh, homogenous. Right, right. And just in the histories that all kind of, yeah, with all that is is, is definitely uh, interesting. But the one thing, uh, here's the crazy one I was kind of, so the uh, the stepdad of the foreign exchange student that I was visiting there, you know, he's talking, uh, Denmark is famously high for its, its taxes and the, the stat he threw out there that is just kind of mind-boggling, but it kind of fits with everything else you hear. So the tags and registration or taxes and registration on an automobile in Denmark, uh-huh. 180%. I.e., if you pay 10,000 euros for a car, it costs 18,000 on top of that for taxes and registration. What? So that's why everyone rides bicycles. Yeah. Because no one can yeah. afford a car. And because space is at such a premium... They need to be that restrictive. Their public transportation is also probably way better than ours too, though. So I doubt. It's yes, like... their their t- public transportation is you know is some of the best in the and, world, and yeah. And in Denmark, does not look. It's not like the same size as like a California or an air. Like you can throw a rock from one side of Denmark to the other. Too. Right, right. I th- I think yeah. I think they said basically you can get anywhere from the country to anywhere else in the country in about five hours. Must be nice, even if you're like one extreme to the other. Yeah, yeah. That does then yeah facilitate a. Uh, a society that's not as uh, reliant on automobiles as we are here in the States. Because, like, I can be in just in Arizona and drive five hours and not even be outside of Arizona. No, right. And same in Kansas in a lot of places. Yeah, I, mean, I can yeah. head toward Colby and I would it'd be it'd take five hours to get there almost. Now, at the same time, he understands that is steep. But he's like, but I also recognize we get something for that. Our daughter gets to go to university for free. Like, yeah. so it's, it's, it's kind of the balance. Yeah, that's... That's a good point too. Yeah, it, for for uh, yeah for the for the cost of one point eight cars, having a car and a college education is actually a pretty good deal. <laughs> right, right. So you, so you get something for that, and it's kind of kind of like that, that tighter social construct that. Uh, and again, so anyway, we don't need to go down the political stuff with uh, Bernie and all and all that kind of stuff in the fights in the United States. But it, it is interesting just to see that side of it. That yes, they recognize they have the high taxes, but they also at least this person recognized that right. But it's a trade off. It's a trade off that you know we can still do whatever we want. We pay high taxes and we get lots of good benefits in return. And so you also look at the, the cost or the standard of living in these countries is also usually the highest. And these are the companies that or sorry, the countries that report just kind of being the happiest in the world too. Despite, you know, long, cold winters and stuff like that, the people are crazy happy, actually. And then uh, uh, a video I actually just watched this morning, just again, just killing time on YouTube, honestly, and just kind of like, oh, that looks interesting. Um, It was it was a city. It was a video. It was a video talking about street design or uh, city planning design and streets. And it was basically a breakdown of. Oh, is that the one where it was like how how much your city is on a grid? 
means like you're you're less happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you probably saw the same one. Yeah. Basically, it's like here's the ten best at like their grid is like just on point, like the ten best quote unquote best grids in the world. And then it was the list of the 10 happiest cities in the world. And there's no overlap at all. And all of those grid cities are in the United States. Like, Phoenix is a is a, almost a perfect grid. Chicago is almost a perfect grid. Um, but yeah, but none of those rate in happiness. And of course, he's like, well, maybe this is just correlation. But he's like, I'm going to say maybe it's not. And basically how you get, you know, just right. that a grid system is kind of actually not great. The, the pavement and the, the pavement involved and the upkeep and everything. It's just, it's just, uh, it, it, intuitively, it makes sense that you've wanted to design. That's a clean efficient design but right. it maybe comes with a lot of other things that cause greater problems and you know take away take away character wasn't copenhagen high on the not gridness of their city and also high on the happiness scale R- right uh, not very gridded off and like the number one happiest city in the world yeah yeah it's and a lot of those were in scandinavia so yeah, I mean, so I mean, four days in Copenhagen was maybe a little much. It's one of those things where you could, if you if tourist wise, you know, a couple of days is fine. It's it is pretty a pretty pricey city. Like finding a meal at a restaurant for under thirty euros is next to impossible. Yeah, like it's it's an expensive city. But there was a, there was a neat spot though where it was kind of like more street food, and that was more affordable and kind of a neat neat environment there too. Just kind of grabbing some fish and chips, you know, which is also then kind of local fish and all that and just sitting but with a bunch of danes and eating on that so and that was all that was all good is this grave here that you have a few selfies in front of is that queen margaret's grave oh right yeah so yeah so that's you're right that's copenhagen but yeah so i did take a day trip over to roskilde which was formerly i think the capital and that there was also a viking ship machine uh, museum there but yes that is the final resting place of queen margaret who i'm starting to write a, a book on and so i wanted to visit that that is the cathedral where her tomb is and i i I mean not to go into the history side of stuff too much but you don't realize how old brick buildings are until you start realizing that oh well in you get into scandinavia or i shouldn't see me in northern france and into denmark and maybe in the sweden and stuff that they were making brick churches in like the 1200s and oh wow like red brick and you're like wait a second yeah. i thought i always think of red brick and so like you so you see this church here and you just assume that it's probably from like the 15 1600s like oh no it's like from the 1200s because they were the red brick is actually way older than you think it's just it's just a regional thing southern france and into paris they didn't have red brick necessarily at Until that time later. right or because your building materials are always gonna be what's local so if you're oh, once, you, right. once you get south of a certain point, red brick doesn't make sense. You just use whatever's nearby. So they actually had brick buildings way longer ago than I realized with very modern looking type of brick. Like, yeah, that, I mean, you look at this, this church in Roskilde, you had to guess, you're like, oh, I don't know. If, if, if you say it's really old, I'll say 1650. It's like, oh, yeah, you're like 400 years off. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was kind of neat. Again, I, I've been researching this queen for, you know, a couple years and then to finally stand there in front of, you know, the tomb that I've seen on Wikipedia and on book covers and stuff and just uh, actually being there was kind of neat, kind of neat. Oh, what says American ribs? Oh, oh it okay. actually says Kansas City style ribs. <laughs> yeah. So I went for, just to kind of, I had I had the train pass already. and So I actually went from Roskilde all the way up to, oh, uh, what's it called? Like Hels- Helsinor. 
uh, Helsingborg or whatever. I get confused because like the Danish city and the Swedish city that are on opposite sides of the water have like a very similar name and I forget which one's which. Mm. So I went kind of back through Copenhagen all the way up there because that's where quote unquote Hamlet's castle is. So, oh, okay. Kronborg Castle or whatever it is, is kind of the, again, Hamlet is largely fictionalized, but it's kind of the castle that he gets credit for being Hamlet's castle. But, but it was kind of a long day because I, mean, I went from Copenhagen to Roskilde, back through Copenhagen, up to Helsinor, and the castle was closed. So I just kind of went to the island. That island I'm kind of walking around is that island. And the original, like, old school, you know, thousand-year-old castle, it's actually just on the inside. And the castle's been built up around so much since then that you can't even actually see the original stuff from the outside. So a lot of that stuff is, oh, you know, okay. just from, like, the 1700s that's, uh, that you can see there. But, yes, more street food. There was just kind of that, I don't even know what you would call it, just a, like an inside street vendor area. And one of their little booths to get food at was like a Kansas City barbecue place in, yeah. in uh, not even in, in Copenhagen, in like Helsin- Helsinor. And I, I feel like I'm saying I got the city wrong. Um, and I ended up getting that uh, uh, in another place to get more Danish food. And that was, minus the onions, that was actually pretty, pretty darn good. I think it's kind of some Danish pork. I like this sign in the bathroom that says, please urinate preci- precision elegance. With, with, well, yeah, with, oh, with I, precision oh, yeah. and elegance. Please yeah. urinate with precision and elegance. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and that's honestly, that's something I try to live my life by. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as, as should we all, as should we all. Yeah, yeah. Well, is that one of your tattoos? <laughs> yeah. As, as my next one. <laughs> okay, okay. And uh, there was actually a couple of amusement parks. I didn't go to them. Just, I didn't, I'm not a big amusement park person, but uh-huh. you can see some pictures of this place called Tivoli. And there's actually even a yeah. statue of Hans Christian Andersen there looking across at Tivoli. Hans Christian Andersen, the, the fairy tale author, is from Copenhagen, or at least from Denmark. There's, there's one of these uh, amusement parks in Copenhagen, and there's another one, like kind of like a sister amusement park in Stockholm. They seem to be pretty popular hangout places still. But they are like, it's almost like a Coney Island thing where these are like amusement parks from the 1800s that are still active. Gotcha. So there is kind of some history to it. Uh, and they do kind of have these elaborate entrances. And it seems like a kind of a cool vibe. I just I just didn't, yeah. didn't go in because I'm not a big amusement park person. But it sounds like it might have been worth it to walk around, even like pay to walk in, even if you don't do rides, just to kind of for the environment. There's a lot of pictures of um, graffiti on here, like pretty cool looking like street art. Is that kind of a is that a big thing there? Yeah, I mean, kind of all over Europe with all the trains and stuff. You, like even you see you know graffiti here on our trains and stuff. But yeah, they have uh they definitely have some pretty graffiti. And actually, back in Switzerland, I don't know if we we talked about it, but Tyler, who I was staying with, was even saying like, oh, they're like if you can't beat them, join them. They'll hire graffiti artists to decorate the public and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, so it's like authorized graffiti. So it's like the city's paying them so it's like high right. quality street art and they kind of embrace it that's cool. and, and that was in, in in switzerland i don't know to what extent that's done in copenhagen but so from copenhagen i took a train to stockholm and you still don't really i guess again i, I feel like i and everyone always make the same mistake when traveling they're like oh on the map everything's so close together i'll just be able to go from here to here to here to here to here and everything will work out fine it's like no when you're actually there Everything is so much farther apart than you realize and so much more either cost prohibitive or time prohibitive or distance prohibitive or whatever. So Stockholm didn't necessarily go as well as I had hoped. One, the Airbnb or hotel I had booked that was like, oh, it's just a it's just a 20 minute train ride outside of the city to the north. 
Well, right. That's the 20-minute bullet train that costs more. I was basically completely out of Stockholm, up kind of over oh. toward, kind of toward the airport, but it was way farther apart. Like, basically, I was staying, like, my hotel for three, four nights in Stockholm was basically the place you would stay for one night before going to the airport the next day. It is not a place you should be commuting to and from Stockholm oh, from. Gotcha. So that was a huge pain in the butt. I did once splurge for the bullet train. One, just to kind of experience. Of course, again, no one was using it. Like, I was the only one on this massive train that probably cost like 20 bucks to get to Stockholm in 20 minutes. And then the other days, I just took the slower train that took like 45 minutes to get into town. So that was kind of annoying. You said it cost 20 bucks? It was something like that. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And and that was even like the the one way. Like, it was ridiculous. But Stockholm was, was a really cool city. I just, uh, it stunk that I wasn't staying in the city of Stockholm. But again, this, that is the downside of Scandinavia, though, is everything is so expensive. And so you're trying to look for a deal and you kind of end up shooting yourself in the foot a little bit. But Stockholm was a gorgeous city. And I didn't realize to what extent it was a series of islands. Like, I had no idea. And I guess you look at a map, it starts oh. to kind of make sense if you zoom in. Like, Stockholm is nothing but, a, it's like hundreds, if not thousands of islands. And it just kind of branches off into the Baltic there. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I really knew that either. And I think the old town, the old city, is even kind of set up where the salt water meets the fresh water, and they kind of built up a fortification at that point that huh. became Stockholm. And it's just, just a connection. They even call it the Venice of the North. And it's, it's yeah, nothing but islands. And I had no idea. So boats are, boats are everywhere. They do have bridges. There's lots of elaborate bridges connecting these islands. But then also then even just outside. So I did take like a day trip well, it was like it was like a couple hour three hour trip where we just kind of took the boat through the islands you know like 90 minutes out to like another city and, and again, everything's just dotted on the island some are stockholm but then it branches into the the outskirts and the suburbs but not in any kind of american way in just like oh like you go past these tiny islands some that have stuff on them some that are just kind of a 10 foot by 10 foot rock others that are a whole island with a bunch of houses on it um, some maybe have industrial stuff on it, and then by the time you get ninety minutes away, you're in a whole different city. It was kind of not like nothing I expected from Stockholm. I just thought Stockholm was going to be more like Copenhagen, just a different city. So it was really, really neat uh, to see how it was laid out there. It had yeah, really cool down downtown. Almost even sounds weird because downtown itself is kind of a collection of islands and just, but it's very tourist friendly i thought there's like a lot of stuff packed into the downtown area there's like the bus tours that you could sign up for like kind of like the hop on hop off thing where you can take the bus around to uh-huh. all the different points and listen to the stuff and again kind of like copenhagen and there's not like an iconic thing like oh stockholm is famous for this or that but the city itself was really really nice i would say i preferred copenhagen only because copenhagen feels more like a small town like it's a it's a it is a big city but it has a small town feel Stockholm feels more like a Scandinavian Paris, like it's a big city and feels like it. Okay. Versus Copenhagen actually feels like a small town, if that makes sense. Oh, gotcha. But I, I, I definitely dug them both. But similarly, too, just kind of was like it's almost kind of hard to find. Like, well, what do I want to do? And if you weren't going to museums and stuff, and you know, Stockholm is uh, again, it's not necessarily a, a tourist city, other than like I have this main like downtown stretch that does have lots of museums and stuff. But uh, I did go to the Viking Museum and had lunch there. I don't know if you found the picture of the plate of uh, meatballs and potatoes there. So I got my Swedish meatballs. Oh, nice. And uh, they were actually really, really good. And then actually someone on Facebook had recommended, oh, hey, you're in Stockholm. You need to go to the Vasa Museum, which I had seen. And I kind of showed up as they were closing. And they, they, But they kind of said like, oh, we close in like half an hour. 
if you can come back the next day, you should come back the next day. So I did actually did come back the next day, and it actually was really cool. Again, I'm really bad about this too. You're like, well, do I want to pay you know twenty, thirty bucks to get into every single museum, and then all of a sudden you you know you can only do a couple of days. Just it adds a lot to your budget, but at the same time, once you're back home, you're like, well, of course I should pay that twenty dollars. If I was sitting right in my living room right now, paying that twenty dollars to go to a museum in Stockholm, well, yeah, of course you would right. do that. So why would you not yeah. do that once you're there? And uh, I am better about that than I used to be, but uh, there are some you do kind of get home and like regret certain things that at the time seemed excessive. But um, anyway, I did go to the uh, the Vasa Ship Museum. It's a ship that sunk, I want to say, in the 1600s, basically at launch. So like they spent you know however many months or a year or whatever building this awesome you know 17th century ship, and then on its maiden voyage, it just sinks immediately. <laughs> Oh no! And kind of an engineering thing. Basically, kind of they built it too tall, and then it just kind of like started like swaying oh. back and forth, and it just like takes on water. Yeah. But because of that, that's the reason we still have it today. It, it just kind of sat in the water for centuries before they pulled it back up in like the early 20th century. Otherwise, it would have just kind of been out of use and disassembled or destroyed. You know, basically, it was preserved by being in the in the water just off the coast of Stockholm for all these years, and massive ship so it's just kind of fascinating to see the engineering involved and it is a massive massive ship that's basically you know intact and of course they always are restoring it and they like have to keep the whole place at a certain temperature like it's kind of cool in there and even kind of intentionally humid in there just to keep the boards from rotting away and they were like in the process of replacing all the nails and stuff so you'd you'd replace stuff to kind of upkeep it but uh, for the most part, it's just this massive original ship. The carving artwork it looks like super intricate. Oh, right. It's all done by hand, too, which makes it even way more impressive. Right. And then they did have a wall then, too, where they kind of had a replica of the back of the ship to kind of show how it would have been painted. Like, everything actually would have been full color. So we just see this old ship that looks like all black and oh. dark. Oh, that's something that I that I I guess I didn't ever really think about. Right, it would have been this. But that's cool. Almost gaudy by today's stand standards, where it would have just been like so bright as to be annoying. <laughs> yeah, with how like uh, how ornately it was colored. But again, if they saw those things as like, oh well, money was spent because X and X dies and colors are so pricey, and then isn't that the isn't it the same way with like purple old like. Well, I was going to say with like Greek and Roman statues. That oh, today, that, we see yeah, them yeah. All is just like white statues. And we think, oh, well, doesn't that look so elegant? It's just like an all white statue. Like, no, back in the day, that was painted like. Right, right. Like you said, almost gaudy by today's standard. Like it was just completely full color. Right. Ancient Rome was full of color. Right. The colors just all faded away. Yeah. And then uh, I think that's why blue or purple is a col- the color of royalty, because that was like oh, the most right. expensive color to make artificially. Yeah. And yeah. so, okay, that's that's an expensive color, so it's reserved for royalty. And then those things kind of just become tradition as we, uh, you know, all colors are basically equal now as far as uh, dying things goes. Yeah, again, there's kind of a lot of neat little things. They had, again, they had that, that Tivoli or Trivoli, you know, amusement park that I didn't go to. The one I did go to, oh, I forget what it was called, uh, Skansen, Skansen. So basically it's like one of the, it's like a, it's kind of a zoo slash history museum. So it has... I don't even know what to compare it to exactly. It'll, so I mentioned, I've talked before about like Plymouth Plantation in New England, where it's kind of like uh-huh. that replica, you know, Pilgrim Village or whatever. Yeah. So it kind of has that, but over a massive amount of acreage, but then also is like a zoo. 
and so it's kind of this weird mix of oh is that okay so now i'm looking at pictures of like there's like a goat and like some reindeer that it looked yes. like you got like yes. face to face with like right up close yes yes yeah that's all saw lots of reindeer <laughs> and then later had some reindeer jerky <laughs> nice yeah so it's called scansen it's kind of just a neat place to walk around had lots of like replica old buildings or original old buildings had been moved to this area but then also like animals in kind of a zoo like environment so yeah it's kind of like a history museum outdoor history museum slash zoo all in one kind of thing covering lots and lots of acres um with also like you know some art installations and things so it was kind of a neat place to to walk around kind of at the end of end of the trip there so i was really really hoping and this is one i'm really kind of well i mean really upset's a strong word because i mean i survived but like I really, really wanted to go to the island of Gotland or Gotland or whatever off the coast of Stockholm. And I looked ahead of time. It was doable, but it just didn't work out with my trips. Like, it's it's isolated enough. You can take a boat, but that boat takes like eight hours. So there's you can take a flight. And I was willing to take a flight. But again, it's it's so much farther away. I guess I just assumed I could fly out there in the morning and then spend the day there and fly back. Because it actually ties into this, the book I want to write. There's actually there's like the city of Visby is there, and and Margaret's okay. dad like conquered it. And there's like a famous battle. It's an iconic, iconic place for the history of Sweden, and it's probably you know really beautiful today. It has like the original the original walled city still has the walls up from you know 800 years ago, and so it's like, I really really wanted to go. It was like high on my list of things to do in Sweden, and then I realized. Well, you can, but like, oh, the flight schedule is like, oh, yeah, we don't even have flights there on Tuesday, so you can only go Wednesday, and the flights are either like 5 a.m. or 10 a.m., and then all of a sudden, like, and then the flight's back, like, you basically have to have a place. It's designed for staying there two or three days, not for a day trip. Oh, gotcha. And I'm like, well, I can't, I can't do it then. And like, so, yeah, it just didn't work out, and so I'm really kind of bummed. I was even asking about, at one of the information places in Stockholm, I asked the clerk working there. And she's from Stockholm was even just like, oh, yeah, I've never made it out there. Like, it's that kind of an inconvenience oh, that even people from Stockholm gotcha. don't always go there. Yeah. But but the, I mean, again, she's like, oh, it's highly recommended. Like, if you're and I mentioned to Copenhagen, I plan on going to mention to people there, uh, both his story and then like the locals I had met with. Anyway, I mentioned I plan on going to Gotland. They're like, oh, yeah, awesome. Like, so <laughs> I'm really kind of bummed. That's, that sucks. I know. And I, you know, I needed to go back because I wasn't able to go to Norway. Norway was initially one of my destinations as well that I was hoping for, but it was still on lockdown. So here at some point, I'll go back. I'll go to Norway. And I actually had a college teammate who was in Gothenburg, which is on the other side of Sweden. So I he saw on Facebook also that I was in the area. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was, and I told him, like, oh, yeah, I was going to say something, but I wasn't going to be in your area. He's like, oh, yeah, Stockholm's like three hours away. So we ended up not oh, yeah. meeting up there, too. So I, I could definitely definitely go back, but. Man, you're gonna run out of time on time and money when it comes to all this traveling stuff. Anyway, yeah. So then I went from Stockholm to Dublin, getting there a few days early again because you know COVID stuff. I had to get a PCR test again before I could get back into the United States, and I wanted to make okay. sure that I had time built into my schedule to make that happen. I didn't want to just get there the night before my flight and all those kinds of things. So. I did book my test ahead of time and then kind of got, I spent, oh, I kind of forget now if it was two or three nights in Dublin before flying out. And I had been to Dublin before, so actually I had a little bit more time, but I kind of done a lot of the stuff in Dublin. So actually on Sarah Teague's recommendation, went out to Houth, which is 
kind of a suburb and it's and that's where if you scroll down it's like all the pictures run kind of on the cliffs by the ocean there and all the green stuff that's all house okay what is this uh there's a i see a building here that has uh irish flags and then the olympic rings oh okay so that's kind of crazy just sheer happenstance so this is you know obviously the olympics had just happened in tokyo right about the time i was here uh, or during this whole trip, the Olympics were happening. I, I forget how, this, how it timed right. out. But uh, I was basically staying on, like, the street. Like, not, like, just the neighborhood of Dublin. I was basically staying on the street or right next door to the street where an Irish female boxer just won the Olympic gold. And so this whole neighborhood was oh, wow. de- decorated in celebration. So that's why there's, like, all of the those Irish flag, like, streamers and... And the big Olympic ring thing on that building there? Yes. And I was, because at at first I was kind of confused, like, wait, why is just this street decorated? You know, you assume it's a soccer match going on or whatever, but it's like, it's just this block. So it's not like the whole town is involved. It's like just this stretch here. Yeah. But then then I I probably did take a picture at some point here too. But when I I got back, it is kind of like, congrats to the local girl who just won Olympic gold. And yeah, basically I was like, very, very much in her neighborhood where she grew up, and had just won the won the Olympic gold there. Oh, there you go, Kelly Kelly Harrington was uh, from that neighborhood. Oh, I did see. I think it was in Dublin too, where um, it probably was a post uh, post soccer match, and a herd of you know probably college age students, you know mostly boys that had just you know all wearing their their soccer stuff, football. Sorry, just uh, <laughs> you know excited about a victory, and I'm kind of just walking down the sidewalk the opposite direction. And I just kind of like grin, but like they're like so excited and probably drunk that, you know, like one was even like <laughs> rubbing my head, like trying to get me involved. Like, I don't know, like I just kind of thought it was funny, but I can see the other people getting kind of like pissy, like leave me alone. <laughs> but I, oh. I, they were just having, they were having fun. They weren't causing any trouble and they were just trying to get in the local, probably obvious tourist looking oh. guy involved in their, in their play. I'm watching the video right now. Okay. You can just kind of yeah, hear them singing or whatever. Yeah. What is the... The epic Irish immigration museum. Oh yes, with a with a giant picture of Joe Biden on the oh. door. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was actually kind of neat, and uh, and it was something that didn't exist when I was in Dublin in 2010. It's actually a new museum from just a few years ago. So the whole idea is, and and you may have heard this before too, or maybe even talked about it on the podcast when we talk about talk or on the history and film podcast when we've talked about Ireland. But there are more people of Irish descent than have ever lived in Ireland, like more, or sorry, more specifically, more people have left Ireland over the centuries than have ever lived in Ireland at any one time. So if there's, oh, right. If there's 6 million people in Ireland today, 9 million Irish people have left Ireland. Like it's, there's more people have left than live there now, which is just right, which crazy, is crazy to think about. Yeah. But that's how significant emigrant, <laughs> that's how significant leaving Ireland is. Oh, right. I, I guess I should, yeah. It, this is a immigration with an E. Yes. The Irish Immigration Museum. Yes, yes. So it's a museum dedicated to the people who have left Ireland and just kind of like both the pride and the heritage and how Irish Irish people are now throughout the world and kind of taking pride in that, but also highlighting the conditions that, you know, cause people to leave. So it was just kind of this museum where you kind of walk through the stages of Irish history with a big focus on famous Irish immigrants and people of Irish descent. So yes, a giant picture of Joe Biden. Every celebrity like that, they would say, and it probably says there if you would zoom in, like, oh, okay, Joe Biden's great grandfather was born in this specific Irish city. Like, it was definitely saying, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. There's a little, uh, 
in this on this picture on the door, there's like a little sign that shows like you know 1849, 1850, like and it's like a, a timeline of Joe Biden's. I guess this would be his grandparents right. who immigrated the U.S. and then he was born in 1942, and and that uh, Irish immigrants with an E that includes some of your ancestors, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Like so I, I have uh, on my mom's mom's side, there was a lot of uh, Scotch Irish, which would actually probably be like the group that we've talked about in like the Tudor times that they would uh, oh, have like, established a pro- a Protestant foothold and, you know, sending a lot of those people gotcha. over in, in Northern Ireland. Okay. The Scotch-Irish. Uh, so yeah, that, I'd have a, uh, definitely ancestors from that. But I think actually my, I think my dad did find maybe one on his side too that was born in Belfast. So yeah, there's, there's definitely some Irish. I think, I think all Northern Ireland though too. I don't know if I have, but again, that's, that's still mm-hmm. Ireland. But uh, I don't know if I have any non-Northern Ireland roots. So, yeah, so it, the museum's like, Supposedly award-winning, but I didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily find out anything outside of the museum's own literature that talked about it. Like, there's a like, picture here. It's like of Europe's leading tourist attraction in 2019 and 2020, and I'm like, really? Like, by what? Like, like by numbers of people through, by just just voted by you know an award body? Because I can't imagine more people are visiting this museum that visit you know the Eiffel Tower or the Colosseum. Yeah. So I don't know what their criteria was, but it is it does seem to be a very successful museum. There, they had a little password thing too. I don't know. I, I always think things like this are, are neat where you like, as you go through each room, you're stamping your passport that they kind of give you as a tourist thing. Uh, and then I was hoping to go to, uh, this is one I, I swear we missed it last time too. Uh, the, it's been long enough ago. I forget all the names of these stuff. Uh, I don't know if it's the Kilkenny jail or kill. No, that's not, that can't be right. There's, there's a famous prison there and I think it's also because of COVID. I ran into this in Paris and stuff with like the catacombs. You had to like book ahead of time. So oh, right. I, I, I show up. I was hoping to get in. He's like, oh, we're all booked up for the day. And he's like, but will you be around tomorrow? And I'm like, oh, no, nope, flying out tomorrow morning. And he's basically like, well, I haven't any good news for you then. Like, <laughs> uh, just just love the little Irish responses. I already kind of mentioned being a fan of Irish accents and just, and just I, I do kind of dig the Irish people. Ireland would also be, a, 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 I think, a nice place to live. Dublin is actually pretty... It does feel like a major city, you know, more like a Stockholm than a, than a, than a Copenhagen as far as that goes. But I yeah. think population-wise, it's not very big as like major cities go. I mean, if you, huh. you if you pull up the population of Dublin, I think it's I think it's under a million. Like it's it's a pretty pretty small major city. What is this Phoenix Park? That was, yeah, again, that was I was just kind of walking all around. Uh, Dublin's a very okay. walkable city, and that's yeah. just kind of a massive park. You know, walking around, getting snacks there. The, and I kind of walk around like. I, I do really like Dublin Island, and I, I, man, Ireland is one, honestly, it is so, you know, what is it, they call it the Emerald, Emerald Isle. I really, really wish, or another trip would be probably like two weeks in Ireland, and you could just see so much, and I was, I was hoping if some of the Scandinavian stuff hadn't have opened up, I was looking at maybe spending like a whole week or more in Ireland and trying to actually make it outside of Dublin, like to the other side okay. of the island, and there's there's tons of stuff that I have gotten around to see and I haven't really got to do all the Irish castles and stuff yet. And it's crazy to see these pictures of a circle K. I did not know the circle <laughs> K was international. No. Right. Yeah. It always is. Uh, always. Well, I was saying the Pulp Fiction thing. It's like, you know, they got the same stuff over there that we got over there, over here. It's just there. <laughs> it's just a little different. Well, what do you mean? Like, yeah, it is very much like that when you go over uh, to Europe and you always forget too. worth mentioning that they only speak English because they were, you know, conquered or controlled by England for so long that, you know, Gaelic is still everywhere. So right. they all speak English, but every sign is in Gaelic and English, and sometimes even just Gaelic. 
And so huh. it, now, but I think it's one of those things where depending on your household, I don't think everyone grows up speaking it. Some people you know, might be native Irish, but then they don't speak a word of Gaelic. I, I think that's the thing nowadays. And honestly, that's probably similar to uh, Wales. And we always, we've you know talked about before on the history side of things where oh, right. there's, there's a decided difference between Anglo-Saxons and then the, well, Celts is a broad brush to paint all the Welsh and Irish and Scots with, but definitely not Anglo-Saxon in origin. And so the language is, is different and uh, still roots of that today and everything. So yes, I did get back to the United States. Uh, didn't have any hangups with once I got my uh, COVID test. A lot of that stuff was just kind of done digitally. Like you get the test and they just kind of email you the results. And then you can show those email results at the airline or submit it to your airline. And they then go ahead and give you your boarding pass and you're good to go. So every, everything is pretty straightforward there. I did have, I mean, this is, I mean, not super exciting, but I did have massive delays actually getting back. So I flew from Dublin to Newark and my scheduled trip was to go to Newark to Chicago, Chicago to Wichita. Massive storms in Chicago causing major delays and like, my flight was, you know, it, for whatever day that was in the evening in Chicago. But the night before that, all flights in Chicago had basically been grounded. So they had a whole night's worth of flights that they were trying to catch, play catch up now. So even though the weather was kind of fine that day, they were playing so much catch up. They were just trying to keep people out of Chicago. And so my flight had gotten like canceled, I think, even or de- massively delayed to go from Newark to Chicago. And so I was basically talking to the airline saying like, well, hey. I'm just trying to get to Wichita. I don't need to go to Chicago. And so, you know, I ended up on the phone with them and they're like, oh, okay, actually that would help us, you know, just because like the fewer people are going through Chicago, the better. So they ended up rerouting me through Denver to get to Wichita, but that was much later. And so basically like I could have gone to Chicago and rolled the dice, but I ended up kind of going through Denver and I think it was originally supposed to get back to Cheney at like 4 or 5 p.m. and it ended up being like midnight. So it ended up being like a total, oh, wow. a total of seven hours longer, but. Yeah, uh, awesome trip. It was an awesome. It was it was exhausting. I definitely get overzealous with my travel at times, and you know, I, and I don't actually even firmly budget. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I should be able to make this happen. And you get back, like, well, I did, but whew, that was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, looking forward uh, this summer again. I'm planning to visit you in Phoenix there and kind of do some of the Arizona things as I kind of go probably just another United States road trip this year. Uh, next summer, hoping for Alaska, but at some point I want to get back to Europe again. I'd love to go to Europe every few years, as opposed to once a decade. Eleven years was far too long to wait. Um, plenty more yeah. to see there. And actually, I have my friend Tyler, who you know I stayed with in Switzerland, is planning to move back to the Czech Republic and Prague here uh, within a year or two. So I, I definitely want to go visit them there and kind of time that oh. up with maybe some Norway stuff. I still want to do yeah. my Japan trip that I had all booked for 2020 before the world ended. Oh, right. But I, and actually, I, I haven't looked recently, but like Japan was still kind of closed down for the longest time. I think now maybe they're starting to... I, that's just a guess. I actually haven't researched anywhere that says they are opening back up, but I just feel like the whole world seems yeah. like it's opening back up. So yeah, let's just finish real quick with a little bit of talk on TV and movies and whatever we've been watching recently. Uh, the new season... Uh, for me, is uh, the marvelous Ms. Maisel season four, I believe it is, just uh, just came out, and I'm slowly working through that. I do really get a kick out of that show. I don't know if I mentioned that on here before or not. I have not watched a single episode of that show. Okay, but not not because I'm like avoiding it. I just I see ads for it all the time because it's an Amazon show, isn't it? Yes, yes. So I have Amazon Fire TV is like my main entertainment avenue in the living room, and so I yeah I I've seen countless ads for that show over the years and i just have never 
Never watched it. Okay. No, it's... Is it good? It, no, it's it's great. I'm, I'm just at the point now in season four where you're starting to wonder, is it just... It just kind of gets the same where it's just like, okay, yep. Like, I don't know. There's not a defined... It, it hasn't jumped the sharks. It's not a defined stopping point. I still like seeing her life and what she's going through because it is kind of this drama length comedy so it's like a comedy that has like 50 minute episodes okay and so i do really enjoy it but it's also just kind of like okay yeah while i enjoy it and we'll continue watching it it's also just feels very much oh season four is basically just season two all over again like i i don't know Mm. there's not enough new ground again they do have her in new situations but you get to where you just kind of are used to it and 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 I, i don't know i don't know i still enjoy it but what were you? Anything? Anything new TV wise? I've recently my like go to like comfort show has been rewatching Community. Oh, okay, yeah. For yeah. like I don't know, this is probably like the fourth time I okay. watched that the show all the way through. It's so good. I can't recommend it enough. It's my favorite sitcom um, of all time, and like by a wide margin too. Like I don't even know what I would say my second favorite is. Okay, yeah. It's so good. Dan Harmon is a creative genius. I absolutely love the show i even can appreciate the quote-unquote gas leak season where he was not a showrunner oh but then i think that he made up for it when he when it came back it's, it's just so good it's so funny it's so creative the way that they like take the very concept of a sitcom and turn it on its head and i think danny pooty who's the actor who plays um Ahmed, yeah, yeah criminally underrated yeah why well, i it, i was wondering if he just got typecast or something because i basically haven't seen him in anything else his performance in that show is like one of the best things about it like he's so good yeah kind of kind of a very iconic character yeah i wish he blew up the way that you know like uh, glover yeah well I, and, and there's you know like uh obviously joel McHale was in other stuff Donald Glover. Oh, Donald Glover was in um, Atlanta, and he fo- he focused a lot. He he focused a lot on the uh, childish Cambino, like the music stuff. But yeah, I just I I really wish Danny Pudi got more got more work. Yeah, Allison Brie was another big winner off out of that. Yeah, she she had a, a whole Netflix show. Oh, uh, Glow was that? Yeah, the the wrestling yeah. one. Okay, which I actually haven't seen that. Yeah, it's kind of funny because she got Community at the same time she got Mad Men, so. She had basically like two right. massive hits at the same time, and she was able to uh, be able to do. She had a small enough role in Mad Men; she was able to do both. Yeah, and also very, very different roles. And uh, what I've been watching in the background again, I'm not a big rewatcher, but I will if it's background. So when I've been working on like track pictures and entries and video and stuff, I've made it through Thirty Rock again, and then when I got through that, I, I've I started Seinfeld up. Which I've seen most of, but I've, I definitely don't think I'm a completionist. I can't stand Seinfeld, and I I'm not a huge, huge Seinfeld fan, but I also kind of appreciate its role in in television history. And there's these kind of there is several iconic moments from that show, and like this, it's like there's so many famous episodes and moments, and it is kind of interesting to see uh, as those come back up. And yeah, I understand its popularity, even if I'm not the biggest fan either. I understand. That it has a, you know, a place in the sacred halls of TV comedy, you know, but, oh man, I don't know if it's just, if it's a generational thing, like if it was just too far before my time that I just can't, I literally cannot relate to any of the characters in the show. I, it's like nails on a chalkboard sometimes. Oh, huh. Okay. I mean, I, oh man. And I, and I kind of get that actually. I yep. I don't like, and f- honestly, for me, Friends is the same way. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just... Huh. I, 
actively dislike every character in the show. It's just, I just, I don't know. Um, I, I always have kind of preferred friends, but I, I also wouldn't fight you on that. What's interesting on the friends, though, one, too, like, most of the high school students have all seen Friends now because it's on Netflix. So, like, yeah, that you know, is, talk about the generational stuff. It, it's, like, gotten repopular again. Yeah, and I think it was, because uh, wasn't it on Netflix still during, like, the first part of the pandemic to where like everyone could watch it during lockdown yeah maybe maybe that maybe that's part of it yeah because i've also noticed like just like clips of friends are is huge on like uh like on tiktok oh okay okay like you'll you know you'll come across like you know random tiktoks it's just like a 30 second clip from a friends episode and it's like the, the people posting those are not people who were watching it back in the 90s like it's zoomers like these are kids that are you know that probably saw it on netflix a couple of years ago right right and so yeah a crazy high percentage of teenagers and the kids i coach and stuff have all seen friends and just yeah. kind of almost almost like take it as a given that they've all seen it and yeah whereas seinfeld i don't think is in that same in that same boat even though it's now on netflix too i i also think it might be just something related to the fact that it's like you know what what is it called like a three camera sitcom Mm. where they and and with the live audience and the laugh track like i find that format to be number one super predictable but also just very corny now yes yes sure at the time yeah that was a standard that's how everything was but you know having seen a lot more single camera sitcoms like the office 30 rock scrubs community like with no you know no laugh track you know, single camera, it's just, it's no live audience. That's kind of more my speed and more of what I actually, you know, was watching during my formative years of, you know, consuming, right, right, consuming sitcoms. So now it's like, that's looks, that stuff to me is like kind of corny and, and old fashioned. Yeah, you're right. And I like, as far as contemporary sitcoms, I really don't, watch many of them i guess i guess so I, I got into stuff like the good place you know something like that that maybe is a little more different versus right like big bang theory i've seen like like parts of a couple episodes and i despise it yeah yeah and yeah that's that's the same way that i feel okay about friends and gotcha and gotcha. seinfeld <laughs> and i would argue they're more clever but i see what you're saying yeah oh yeah. just that okay. just that style I, yeah just that style uh, for sure for sure but yeah just okay. the style so yeah, let's we'll go ahead and wrap this up. And thanks for listening. Hopefully, you all liked uh, hearing about uh, Europe as we went through it, and we'll continue to kind of update on future travels and other things and movies as they as they come up. But uh, thanks for listening, and catch you later. See ya.